Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! October 26th, episode 10, Steak for Breakfast podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by Dakota and Roan. And um, yeah, we're just going to go over current climate. Uh, leading up to the election, recover the uh, latest debate. And um, kind of just go from there. There's a lot of hot topics we're going to hit. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Here we go. So uh, what do you guys got on the agenda today to talk about? All right. We got to go back over the last debate, even though it was a couple days ago. Who won and why and does it matter? That crazy highway patrol shooting uh, with SDPD on the freeway by Olympic. We'll cover everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, That was a couple weeks ago, though, no? Yeah, but they released uh, the helicopter footage with, like, the heat cameras. Oh, yeah, that was gnarly. It was so dope. Um, debate. I think uh, the one thing that bums me out is I think a lot of people had already voted prior to that. And I think if there was anybody on the fence that hadn't voted and saw that, they would have 100% sided with Trump. And it, there was even a thing I was reading today. There was like a mass amount of people Googling, can I change my vote? I and it was trending after the uh, debate. I, I have a screen capture of that. Yes. It was, uh, can I change my vote was the number three uh, <laughs> trending on Google in the hours after the debate leading up to the next morning. Jeez. And it spiked by over, it looks like 2,000%. And that that surge started directly <laughs> after Donald Trump started asking uh, Joe Biden about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. How about new? Yeah. So you can Google it all you want, but once you put it in the mailbox, pull it's the done. lever, yeah, or pop the chat, it's... Uh, I think I read, like, there's already 60 million votes in or something like that in mail-in ballots alone. Yeah. It's up 300% from the 2016 election right now. Um, so who won? Well, I think, obviously, you know, my opinion, I think we're all on the same page. Trump blew Biden out of the water. But even from a from a non-biased perspective, there was a lot of um, surveys and stuff. And a majority of people pretty, pretty unanimously said that Trump won. I don't think that Biden had anything to counter some of Trump's hardball questions. You know, he would fire back. There was no, like, intelligent, like, oh, that made Trump look bad or... Oh, he kind of won that round. There was nothing, nothing of significance. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is Biden never talks about what he's actually going to do. He just floats these grandiose ideas of um, what everyone wants to hear, but he never rolls out his actual plan of how to implement that, which is a huge red flag for any politician. But people are starting to realize, I think, that he's full of it. I think the thing that bothers me the most is like on on the forums like reddit 4chan all the other places you're supposed to have like non-biased like political subs and then you have your biased political subs but there's like our politics and it's just like all liberal and the thing that frustrated me the most is they're like oh trump criticizes trump trump says this trump says this bullshit but then you like go and you look on the conservative page and it's like all the things that biden lied about as well and they they like on when you're looking at the liberal side they're like oh trump says this and then there's like no link to the stuff that he said it's before. all hearsay but like like the clip of biden and bernie 
Which has been circulating a lot lately. It's actually a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about it. It was out of the news cycle for months since like the Democratic nomination was uh, confirmed to be Joe Biden, and now it's starting to make its way back across the uh, platforms. Well, Trump played it at his um, campaign. Which is, I think, is an amazing uh, thing that he's doing right now at his campaign. He's, you know, not only really gaining steam, and, and we'll go back to this later, but he's he's actually saying, like, I'm not coming up with these ridiculous claims. Let's go to the videotape. And he's putting up montages of Joe Biden being Joe Biden and being a career swamp monster and, and politician. The, the best part about that whole thing was is that campaign ad was paid for by the Democrats yep. for Bernie. And we we got to use it practically for free. Yeah. So, and then there was that also that clip of the uh, the fracking where he's like, oh, I'm gonna get rid of fracking, fuck fracking. I guarantee everything's gonna be renewable, and I'm I'm pretty big on renewable, because fuck SDG&E, they charge me ridiculous rates <laughs> for electric, but like oil is used in so much more than just cars, like a plastic fork is made with oil. Well, the, the thing that people don't realize is. Yeah, in a utopian society, it would be great to have everything efficient and to be, in a sense, have a city that runs itself, it's off the grid. But this country is so big in the manufacturing. I mean, to get to that point, you wouldn't be able to do that in 100 years. It would be deconstructing everything we've built and reconstructing it with the ground up. And it would just... I think it's... It's, it's hard because it's like, do we even waste time pursuing that i don't know but to use it as a talking point in a debate is useless i think we're headed there but the problem is is like you're saying it's going to be 50 years before we can establish the network trump points it out over and over again because he's a businessman and from a business sense it, it doesn't make any kind of sense in regards to the overall pictures of where things at now well, you're not getting any return on any of it for like 20, 20 years if you're an investor. Yeah. That's number one. Number two is um, these are not wild claims. These are all things that are in the Green New Bill and even the Biden, the Biden-Bernie manifesto compromise bill in regards to redoing a million buildings windowless. Oh my and God. Yeah, this, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and, and having a the energy industry completely phased out with 6,000 windmills and you know all these uh, elect charging electronic charging stations popping up all over the country which are all fine but to think you're going to do it by 2030 or 2035 is number one a lie number two will bankrupt this country and destroy the energy industry and bring in um, you know international competitors that we've been pushing out of the United States for the last four years Yeah, and he was talking about all these jobs that it would create, but here's the thing. You're not replacing the people who work in the energy industry right now with those jobs. You're not yeah. taking someone who's a coal miner or a fracker or, you know, someone that works on a rig and putting them into the clean energy industry. It's just not It's not feasible. It's not going to happen. No. That's like, uh, you know, some of the Democratic candidates that were running for president during the primary saying, well, you know, these people that work in coal mines need to learn how to, like, what is it? Code. Yeah, code and, and data program and stuff. That's absolute number one. Was that bullshit. probably Andrew Yang? It's disrespectful. Yeah, regardless of who it was. I mean, these are the people that have literally built this country. And, and, and with the policies that this administration have put in place, they've, they've basically moved towards energy independence for a long time. And you see people like Saudi Arabia and Russia 
and countries who we get oil and, and, and clean energy or just energy in general from coming back to the table and negotiating better trade deals, coming back to the table and negotiating better peace policies and, and stuff like that, just because uh, they can't dangle the, the oil over us anymore. And, um, you know, for Joe Biden to go out and make these claims, regardless who he puts in the energy secretary, regardless who he puts in the labor secretary, they're not going to happen and they're going to bankrupt this country. They're going to ruin the economy with, with, with that stuff. And, you know, I don't disagree with the fact that we should move towards energy alternatives, but it should be a slow and surefire way to make sure what they're doing, number one, works. There's scientific evidence behind it, both uh, technologically-wise and environmentally impact-wise. And then they need to uh, do it in a way to where it becomes like new careers and new jobs, not replacing the people who mine for oil and, yeah. and produce our energy right now. Do you think it should be a government mandate like to implement these and hire the contractors and the workers? Or should it be a government mandate to say, like, hey, companies like Shell... We need you to invest in this um, to establish this idea, and then we can give you like money because they've done that before, like with like the structure incenti for incentivizing internet. it. Well, I mean, if you've ever seen an Exxon or a G commercial, they talk about you know they'll show a picture of an oil rig and they'll show a dirty guy with big up to his elbow leather gloves on, like pulling the lever, you know, at an oil field. But then they'll show like a blue flame and they'll show a smart car. So, you know, I I think they know it. They're just not ready to hear it yet, and, yeah. and, and I think they need to come to the table and start working at a very small and slow pace. Into it's like in the '80s and '90s, people thought solar energy was fucking off the wall, and now it's mandated in some states that houses aren't going to be built without it. Yeah, and I think anybody that's that's I think all of Arizona homes and some in California yeah, are required. Forward. Yeah, in California, it will be a certain date that there won't be homes that aren't built without solar. But the thing is, it's like. It's cool to move away from that stuff, but you're talking about we're in 2021 right now. Solar energy was being privatized for you know home buyers and stuff back in the late 80s. You're talking mm. 35 to 40 years it took to make this kind of mainstream, and it's to, still to not to make there. it efficient. And yet we still don't have like the battery capacity. And not only that, it's it, it's like Trump says, and he points out, and he's not wrong. If you take the energy uh, community and the energy sector and you put them in the corner and you say that you're fucking done, they're going to, number one, spike the prices, they're going to reduce the demand, which is going to increase the demand, and you will have brownouts and blackouts and stuff like that all over the country, and they will be, uh, you know, rationing energy in certain communities and portions of the countries at different parts of the year, regardless of weather or fires and things of that nature, and, and you know, people that, all it does is hurt the middle class and the poor. You know, yeah. and, and go into clean energy and energy independence. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, we have solar, but our house doesn't run completely off solar. We get a power bill still sometimes. So you still have to have backup plan. Like, you can't, it's not going to be 100% efficient. What happens if you get an abnormal amount of rain one month? Or there's a an eclipse, a long-term eclipse. Fucking the sun star dies or whatever. I don't fucking know. <laughs> if the planets align and the yeah. lights go out. So I, I think that was a good, good, strong portion of the debate and, and went in Trump's favor because he really showed his business savvy. Like if there's anybody who knows how to really like put it out there from a business standpoint and say how it is. Like he knows that's something that he might not be 100% in the know about clean energy or mm -hmm. um, contemporary energy, but he does know the impact it, it makes on, on buildings and, and yeah. you know, stuff like that. And, and I think that was a huge win in that part of the debate for him. Um, and also showed where Joe Biden's at. You know, Trump's gone around all week and, and showing the, 
videos where he says he's banning fracking, he's not banning fracking. And if he's in a country, or I'm sorry, if he's in a state right now that that has, you know, blue collar workers out there working in the, in the fracking or working in the oil fields and stuff like that, he's really going to uh, show those videos where if Joe Biden's in a state where there's fracking, he says he's not banning it. If he's in one that's not, he says yeah. he is. And he even called him out when he said um, he's going to get rid of the whole oil industry as period. a whole. Yeah, by 2035. <clears throat> and Trump was like, remember that Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio? Remember what he just said? Yeah, and as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, dude, it's, he just shot himself in the foot, dude. It's ridiculous. Stats from the debate. Um, the debate moderator, who I thought did a decent job i'd give her a c minus on a scale of a to f uh i thought it was going to be way worse than that she she did however cut off trump 31 times and biden only twice yeah during their either opening statements or answers to either reiterate a what she considered a fact or a question which i thought was inappropriate it's not the moderator's job to do that um if she wanted to re uh phrase the question she could have done that at the completion of his answers it also showed you know the bias we, we talked about her last week her and her family her career Democratic Party uh, donors, and, and she actually spent one of her Christmases, her family, at the White House as the guest of the Obamas. So we knew we were getting with that. It wasn't as bad as I thought, but, you know, it wasn't great. I think the RNC really needs to sit down and see for the next election cycle uh, who they're getting and why, yeah. and really push back on non-participation if it's going to be the same right. as it was. So um, Joe Biden... Throughout the course of the entire debate, uh, talked about the never-ending COVID. Jeez, he was yeah. fear-mongering like there was no tomorrow. Yo. So, so we've talked about this on I think three or four shows now. The Democrats have decided that coronavirus is their only talking point. Fear and fear-mongering, going into 2020, going into election day, it's what they've used, um, and it's the only thing that they have right now in regards to pumping fear into the public and running a huge disinformation campaign. I, I think right now that, you know, everything they talk about, you know, cases and this, that. And Why the other do thing. they blame Trump for these 219,000 deaths? Well, 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 it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. They're like, it's, it's on his hands that these people died. Well, first of all, I'd say 70% minimum or more were definitely at risk for already dying. I think it's even higher than that because and, the original number, or the recent numbers it came out with. And then two, we've all known the whole time this thing's been going around. Don't be a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the other thing is not one, not one person on the left has come out and said, hey, stop eating McDonald's. Stop oh, you're at risk for diabetes? Yeah, maybe change your diet exercise stop watching netflix all day stop smoking stop smoking stop drinking so much and you wouldn't be is that door closed because uh, the, the wood door is but the gate okay. isn't because she'll tear that mailman apart um because a lot of the at-risk issues are self-inflicted mm -hmm. but you I mean you do have stuff that can't be controlled you know but i mean if you're at risk of diabetes that's on you that's you basically you eat too much ice cream, you fat fuck. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> let's just put it out there I again. you were telling me that. I was like, dude, I haven't even had ice cream in a couple of days. So, you know, I think all of our stands on, on coronavirus is the same. We don't not believe that coronavirus isn't a thing. We don't not believe that coronavirus isn't real. We just look at the numbers. If you're 75 and up, 
your chance of survival is 94.9%. And then you can just go down the ages and the age groups and the survival rate goes all the way down to 17 to zero ages, 99.997%. Yeah. So at the bare minimum, there's a 95% chance you're getting it or have had it and are walking out. As a champ. Right, you're alive. You took it. That doesn't completely <clears throat> disregard the fact that it has killed over 220,000 people. Uh, most of them were at risks. And, uh, you know, I have some numbers here. We'll, we'll talk about the, the big five shithole states and five of the biggest people who try to blame the president for their own mistakes. Well, and one of the things that Biden said that was flat out just wrong was he was saying all the red states are the ones where the death toll is increasing. It's completely false. There's not a red state until you get to like number seven. And it's when you get down to those numbers, you're talking about tens of thousands and then single digits in regards to deaths by simply coronavirus, according to the CDC. Uh, Andrew Cuomo of New York, Phil Murphy of New Jersey, uh, Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania, Gavin Newsom of California, and Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan have accounted for at least one fourth under their watch of the coronavirus deaths. Jeez, man. All of those states have accounted for the harshest restrictions, the largest and longest amounts of lockdowns, and the destruction of the small business community and educational sector in regard to uh, children being back in school. As of last week, total deaths in New York were almost 25,000, and almost 13,000 of those deaths accounted for nursing home deaths. That's 50% of the total deaths in New York. Holy crap. How in New Jersey with Phil Murphy, you have uh, almost 13,000 deaths. It's probably over 13,000 now and close to 7,000 deaths just from nursing home lockdowns or people who tested positive for coronavirus were sent to the hospital and returned mm -hmm. back to spread it to the entire community there. Uh, Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania, close to 7,000 deaths, 5,000 nursing home deaths. Gavin Newsom, close to 6,000 deaths, close to 3,000 nursing home deaths. And uh, Whitmer out in Michigan, close to 7,000 deaths and over 2,000 deaths just from nursing homes alone. And that's not talking about people that have pre-existing conditions who died during those lockdowns either. And these are the biggest people who have come out on the news and have ran to the media that said Donald Trump is literally Hitler. Uh, Donald Trump has caused coronavirus. It's his fault for the bad response. And everything moving forward, every death, every drop of blood from every person that ever dies of coronavirus from now until the end of it is on his hands, which is just absolute horseshit and couldn't be further from the fact. But the, the sad part is people still buy into that, that that's true. And I mean, here's the thing. When coronavirus was first coming out, uh, he did everything he did that was against the mainstream narrative that was against the science. <laughs> They're always saying he's going against the science. When the science told us not to do something, the Trump administration was doing things. They were banning flights from China and Europe. They were mandating uh, advisories to wear masks if you're indoors and the social distance. They were mandating you know, advisories to stay home if you're sick while people in the government and politicians in the House and Senate were out literally calling him a xenophobe, a racist, Hitler, uh, parading down the streets of San Francisco, you know, in Chinatown saying, come out and party for Chinese New Year's. Um, you had everybody's favorite uh, coronavirus expert, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I gotta remind you guys is a career Washington swamp monster, 
has been more of a politician than a doctor and has not worked in a virology lab or treated a patient in over 35 years. And you have people who are uneducated and aware who only get their news from drive-by headlines on MSNBC and CNN and Fox News, you know, taking the words that he says as literally God's word in regards to the coronavirus. Yeah, so Trump just signed an executive order like today, I heard, to... uh allow him to fire Dr. Fauci. Fauci's getting fired on November 4th. And so, you know, FBI we'll, we'll touch director. FBI, CIA, and probably DHS because he was doing good for a while, but now he's kind of mm. saying like, eh. you know, a couple kids die after they get released from ICE custody. And then you see the DHS director trying to make sure that he can still write a book after he's done with the administration. <laughs> and then his ass is getting fired too, which they all need to be, which is fine. And we'll get into that more why that's exactly going to happen in a little bit because we're going to touch on that hunter biden laptop from hell but again in regards to coronavirus you can't blame president trump all right it did not originate here it did not start from here and we had the best response in modern history you can't take countries like sweden and australia and say and or i'm sorry new zealand and say just because they bended the curve and this that and the other thing i mean those were two countries that went in totally different direction new zealand lockdown they got a lot more sheep than they do citizens there and they got a lot more open spaces and less people than you know most of the states in the united states so they were able to lock it down hard and do it it just doesn't work here there's so many different states there's so many different you know population densities you have some of the small states like new jersey that has the highest population density in the united states and then you have you know states like california that has a high population but the state's almost as long as the entire continental united states so what works for one what doesn't work for other COVID started during the impeachment hearings. If Trump would have did anything other than what he did, they would have said it was a distraction. That's number one. Number two, Trump never provided anybody without anything that they didn't need during this entire thing. And that starts with like the two ships from the Navy mm-hmm. that were, you know, floating hospitals, uh, setting up camps in Central Park of New York. Uh, having all these companies like Kodak and GE and MyPillow come out and start making masks and start making ventilators. You know, the cupboards were empty when he got here. And that's because a lot of the stuff was wasted in the slow response to uh, H1N1 during the Obama administration. And, you know, 60 million Americans were infected with H1N1 and they never locked out anything. They never mandated a mask. The only people you saw wearing masks during those times were people that wanted to wear them, but that was not because they saw it on TV or heard it from a politician. That was because they thought for themselves. Right. And, you know, I, I keep seeing this meme that, that's circulating around the Internet, and, and, and it's pretty funny because it, it's a picture of the, um, you know, six different things. Uh, you have somebody that's like a fireman. They wear like a smoke with kind of the gas can at yeah. the bottom. They have a guy that paints that has the two respirators on the side. Miners wear their own kind. Pesticides wear like a full globe. You know, there's one for radioactive. And then the last picture is deadliest, deadliest disease in the history of the world. And it's a guy wearing a, you know, a paper surgical mask. And, I, and I've made the point before, whether or not this escaped from animal to human transmission in a lab or it was created in a lab in China and escaped, this disease came out of a level four virology lab in Wuhan, China. And if you think a paper surgical mask is going to prevent you from getting it, you need to have your head examined because it's just not. I, I think what it does do is present a certain level of security for people. 
but I Peace think, of mind. Yeah, but but at the same time, you have people who have taken it and used it as like a weapon. Yeah, and, and that's just not what it's for. So, and it's like we've gone over. If you, if you're in the at risk categories, if you're stay home. Yeah, if you're a fat fuck with diabetes, fucking stay home unless you really need to go out of the house. Yeah. But if not, you know, try to live your life to the best you can. Social distance when you're out in public. Wear a mask if you're in a closed space. But and here's the other thing: is <clears throat> don't chastise people the way they choose to handle this thing exactly because my wife and i from day one have been open and we were having people over here all the time Mm -hmm. because i'm not gonna live in fear i'm not gonna lock myself in my house because the news is telling me it's bad have you have you met anybody that's died personally no what about you no your neighbor your neighbors are still alive what about the guy that you see all the time at the coffee shop bro i live in a pretty pro-trump community to say the least and i have these older people that when I was building my brand new grill, shout out to uh, Smoke Hollow, which is a, probably a shitty grill <laughs> brand. It's off-brand master, but uh, I like it. Available at Walmart. Yeah. So I built that, and I had these old people walk by, and they're like, you know, this coronavirus shit is bullshit. Here you he's go. like, he's like, I'm 85 years old. He's like, I used to work in the pharmacy. I used to work in a hospital. He's like, the only time we wore masks was when people came in with tuberculosis. Yeah, exactly. He's like, we were, and we never lived in TB of fear. No. We never lived in you these other viruses of fear. And that's the thing that my point is, like, the way the media is portraying it is, like, if you were to walk outside right now and there's dead people over the sidewalk. They, they say, you know what I mean? Like, people walk. are catching it and just hitting Guys, the floor. We, we talked about this a couple of shows ago. If coronavirus was what the mainstream media makes it seem to be, the homeless population in the United States would have been taken care of. One worked out. Yeah, solved <laughs> and two completely gone because you're talking about a population and these are in hot spots los angeles san francisco <laughs> new york city all of the major cities pretty much run by democrats chicago the list goes on and on and on philadelphia where there are huge homeless populations they eat sleep shit have sex and do drugs in the literally exactly the same spot they every single hom- day homeless streets have been taken over by the homeless yeah. and businesses have been closed they're probably immune to it so you story. have not heard one <laughs> major major news outlet talk about spikes in coronavirus in the homeless popular population because number one it doesn't exist and number two it doesn't meet the na- mainstream narrative that orange man bad and the bad man is orange so here's everybody's favorite um portrayer of hope Dr. Anthony Fauci on CNN, of course. Remember, he's not a politician, according to him, who does not like going on television. Um, but every week I see him on there listening to himself, you know, talk and uh, loving to hear himself give opinions on why we should be bringing back. Uh, and, and no one's ever talked about all these riots that happen because of the police shootings. Right. No one once well, that on the, the, the liberal side is like, oh, these people are spreading the coronavirus. Like, and who do you think that those fucking idiots live with? Right. Fucking their, their grandma. Parents or their grandparents. Because mom, mom and dad <laughs> kicked them out because they're probably Republicans, but grandma loves them too much. There are no peaceful protests. And then, protests, boom, there you protests go. Protests that contain Republicans. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here's Anthony Fauci on CNN talking about why it's time for everybody to start wearing masks again. Remember, this is the guy who said in the beginning that wearing masks was number one, foolish, and number two, not necessary. I found a CDC, I'm gonna cut you off real quick. I found a CDC notification at my my job that says, remember, don't wear a mask. You're spreading fear to the public. Uh, you know, you're, you, you don't wanna wade into politics, but masks are not political, right? They, 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 they shouldn't be political, right? And, and you know, we see the president at these rallies no. and people don't wear masks. 
And uh, Joe Biden does have a really different plan, right? And today he talked about it, and he specifically talked about making mask wearing mandatory. Here's how he put it. First, I'll go to every governor, urge them to mandate mask wearing in their states. And if they refuse, I'll go to the mayors and county executives and get local masking requirements in place nationwide. More mask shaming. That doesn't even make he sense. He also wants to make masks mandatory. Federal buildings, interstate transportation. <sighs> what? Um, do you think this is a good idea? Is this what a president of the United States would be helpful if they were doing, fighting for mask mandates? Well, you know, one of the issues that people that talk about mandating not be a good idea because then they'll say they have to enforce it and there's going to be a difficulty enforcing it. But if everyone agrees that this is something that's important and they mandate it and everybody pulls together and say, you know, we're going to mandate it, but let's just do it. I think that would be a great idea to have everybody do it uniformly. Pathetic. One of the issues, though, you, I, I get the argument, say, well, if you mandate a mask, then you're going to have to enforce it, and that'll create more of a problem. Well, if people are not wearing masks, then maybe we should be mandating it. There you go. So, Dr. Fauci, you said <laughs> wearing masks would insinuate fear and not necessary just six months ago, now saying that he's, agree- that he's agreeing with Joe Biden that if elected president, he'll call first the governors or you know state officials and work its way down until not only wearing a mask, but mask shaming and consequences for not wearing a mask will be mandated by the executive office. Oh my God, I can't wait for all this to be over. Right. This is so, I'm, we talked about it last week, but I'm like burnt out. It almost hurts. I'm just burnt out with this whole, oh, it's just annoying. It's frustrating. It's frustrating when you live in a time where facts don't make sense, where facts are irrelevant to common sense. Or non-facts become reality just because enough people say them in unison. Correct. So. Or because LeBron James told you. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about, and this is the last thing we'll touch on while we're still on the debate in our opening segment. <clears throat> there was something that happened during the debate that was a, uh, you know, Donald Trump was talking about the border. More specifically, kids in cages. <laughs> and uh, he brought up the fact that, you know, family units were separated um, by the administration. I think there was some news pieces going around that says there was close to like 600 kids last week um, who haven't been able to be reunited with their families. Uh, Donald Trump pointed up the fact that coyotes. Uh, How dare they? Right. <laughs> <laughs> These filthy animals not with four, a, four legs. Not such a talked about um, officer, or not such talked about animal on the border um, bringing separated Mexican kids and kids from other Latin American countries across the border, you know, should be uh, mentioned. It seemed to not only confuse Joe Biden, but also uh, the moderator and, and, and a lot of people on Twitter. A lot of that really smart twi- celebrities. That Twitter shit was hilarious. It was phenomenal. I, I, I really didn't think. They had everybody from elected officials on the East Coast all the way up to, uh, <laughs> you know, lawyers for large firms and Harvard graduates really confused why Donald Trump was referencing, uh, you know, desert animals <laughs> as, as, as things who brought illegal right children separated kids across the border i I guarantee you there's a clip you can find a clip of obama talking about coyotes because he did fund part of a wall back in what oh oh six uh-huh um 
and he was pretty Obama was pretty pro border for for the most part until he got reelected um he was known as the deporter in chief. I mean, there was. <laughs> never heard that it, it, it's a true story. If, if you Google deporter in chief, it will talk about that the Obama administration um, deported nearly 2.5 million people over the course of eight years. Uh, the Trump administration hasn't even hit a million yet in four years, and it's because the immigration policies and policies at the border have changed. Uh, catch and release is getting it changes all up. the time. So it does. It's frustrating. This is from both ABC News and NPR. Obama leaves office as quote deporter in chief. Yep. Thank God for NPR, such a reliable news source. There, yeah, someone who's not covering all the major news stories. <laughs> I, I think that I think that was probably the funniest part of the the debate, but it was also a really important one for Trump and his Trump supporters because it goes back to his his strong immigration policies. There was a. Uh, clip that ended with Joe Biden not answering who built the cages at the border that was, during the Obama administration. That was another nail in the coffin there. Right. So I, I got a clip pulled up from that and we'll we'll, we'll check it out and see what uh, what uh, you guys think about it. I also have to say man, you know we, lo- we all live pretty close to the border. Yeah. TJ is the number one dangerous city in the world mm-hmm. two years in a row it's also the grossest place in the world it's the catalyst for, for legal immigration I, 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 think, I think the San Diego sector is probably the leader in in illegal immigration events for the country my sure. my brother's wife is super super liberal pro asylum everything she doesn't listen to our podcast probably <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's smart she went to Pennsylvania uh, I mean she grew up in a liberal state so she has you know she has a degree in some pharmacy tech type thing. Mm-hmm. Really smart stuff that I couldn't even handle. And they, I have a math degree. I'm not that stupid, but I'm pretty pretty dumb in other. Oh, other you're a numbers guy. Um. So, I've talked to her about this before. I go look. I live down here. I've been to TJ. I go down there all the time. You do not want these people crossing. She goes, but that guy, you know, he got his arm chopped off. Why do you think he got his fucking arm chopped off? Because he, he fucked something up for the cartel. He was a nice person. These people in the cartels, I hate to say it, they're very scary. They're civil when you're doing things for them correctly. Well, not, and they don't... Yeah, they, they, there's too much business for them to just go around chopping lopping random people off. off unless it's a turf war. They... <sighs> But. This guy's not getting his arm chopped off by a rival cartel unless he's fucking betraying his current cartel. Yeah, or he wasn't like an that. innocent. Uh, and they go, oh, you gotta feel bad for these people. No, you don't. Definitely don't. No, you don't. And there's nothing to feel bad about. You know, most of them have been here. They're in, in regards to the adults coming through with family units for long times in the United States, and they've gone back for this reason or the next, whether it's a family member died or, you know, they were deported, but. We talked about Ben Ambrose in, in 2016. He meant it. And, and, and a majority of people are, that are coming in here right now, especially illegally, are not coming in for good reasons. And they're not going to be upstanding members of the community. They're going to contribute to crime. And they're going to be public charges. And that's the fact of the matter. So, And public charges is the one that people don't understand when it comes to tax dollars. That's all it is. Because like, that, that alone, and this sounds a little um, maybe 
unsympathetic because I think there is a place for an asylum program. And I mm -hmm. think at one time it wasn't abused as it was now. But the thing I try to explain to people is you don't realize that these people coming across that make it and that are awaiting their asylum claim. And, and Biden lied when he said that pe these people show up to their court date because they don't. Right. That's a public charge. Yep. Anyone and that goes to a hospital and receives any kind of medical <clears throat> care, you think public charge, right? If they don't have any credit, if they don't have a social security number, if they have no way to either pay it or be tracked, public charge, we're paying it. And the the one argument I can't stand that people make is, well, that person's going to do a job that normal people wouldn't want to do, and I'm like, dude, you don't know. I've done a couple different jobs I hated. Mm -hmm. I think we all have. I have never not worked and I would do whatever I could to provide for my family so if, if, if it goes to me at some point god forbid I have to go pick strawberries or something in the field I will do it mm -hmm. if I have to so when people say oh well they're here they're gonna work they're gonna do this then pay taxes and do this way you don't tell me that there's a job that I won't do because there's not I have three kids now and I have a wife I'll do whatever I have to to provide so that argument I hate that argument yeah. well they're doing stuff that you wouldn't do and I'm like I'll do anything I don't care. If I could provide food on the table for my family, I really don't care. Yeah, if people really knew about the asylum programs and that the fact that, you know, once it's they're accessible. in, once they're, yeah, once they're in, once they're registered, they're already receiving they're so good to many go. stuff. Yeah. So much stuff in the first, you know, up to 30 days. There, there are a lot of U.S. citizens and people who live in this country lawfully who can't get a job in 30 days, but you're guaranteed work authorization, you're guaranteed government assistance, you're guaranteed free health care. 30 days from the day after, you, you know, you come in, it's just... It's something that needs to be reworked. I think it's a work in progress. I think this administration has done a better than average job of addressing those issues from a multifaceted standpoint. But I think it's something moving forward that we need to continue to uh, all work on as a nation in regards to who comes in and why and what their contribution is. I, I, I like the America first. I like the people. When, when Trump says people that are going to come into this country are going to come into this country because they love America and they want to be here, there's a little bit of truth that needs to be behind that because... I mean, even if you're a complete liberal and you enjoy all the luxuries of life of ignoring reality and, you know, doing all the things you like to do that have no, yeah, that aren't in touch with the real world, um, would you really want endless amounts of people coming here that hate this country? Because eventually they're going to... Spill. They're going to flip it. Yeah, they're going to spill into facets of your life that, and that, that affect you. And wherever they came from is going to be the new reality here. And one of the things that irritates me too is... Like, uh, and and Trump said this a couple times, but basically, like, if you're coming here, you, you need to have something to offer. Right. You can't just come here and mooch off the system, which is part of the problem when the Honduran caravan came. That's damn near a socialist country, so those people were used to getting handouts. And when they got stationed in Tijuana waiting for their asylum, they were pissed off because TJ government's like, yo, we don't have anything for you guys. Right. Here's the beach enjoy the sunset well we need food and tj's like well what do you want us to do about it you know what most of those people ended up doing getting jobs in tj yeah and now they live well, that's there. how the haitians did it yep. and there's no beef with the haitians and the people that live in tj anymore because they no they started they settled down and they adapted and stuff and the same i mean that's let me it let is me what it is ask you guys something because this ties in hugely to you know the immigration do you guys think the american dream is dead white picket fence 2.5 kids so so explain like the totality of the american dream from start to finish and maybe because i think i think the idea go, of that's go changed. to america the dreamland where i can change so, so as a foreigner change my life yeah okay racks to riches i i think it's because it's even hard for because the way the system is set up 
alone even for americans mm-hmm. is very difficult if you look at like the costs of education mm-hmm. and then the prospective job that you won't have when you graduate right and then the cost of debt they, these new entry-level jobs because back when i had my math degree and i was like doing programming and computer repairs they're like oh you need you need three years in this program sounds awful and i would call their sounds hr department and i'd go to this program came out six months ago no one has three years of experience in this how the fuck can i get hired for this job because obviously the computers are auto kicking you out when you don't put you have three years in this program i don't think the american dream is dead as far as coming here from another country but it's it takes grit and that's what this country was built on but but you go into any liquor store and at least i don't know about the rest of the world but at least in san diego what is the liquor stores ran by people from the middle east foreigners yep what did they do Dude, there were, at our old house, I talked to this guy because he was a super conservative. Him and I would talk briefly, but this guy immigrated here from, I think it was Iran. Okay. Ditched all of his beliefs that ruined his life. He even said, he said, I came here to start fresh. He's like, I didn't come here to bring all the crap that ruined my life over there. Came here as a young man, didn't learn English until he started his immigration process, became a permanent resident, bought a business, liquor store, learned English basically by running that store. And then became a citizen and he flies a huge american flag out front and he's like i'm an american now he's like i'm not from he's like yeah i'm from iran but i'm not i don't identify that anymore right he appreciates and he even says he here he even said he's like if i can do it and learn english in the process and do it and provide for my family his wife doesn't even work and he's like if i can come to this country and figure out a way to make a living and he didn't have help from his church or from people that were loaning him money to start this business he came and he worked odd jobs till he saved up enough money learned english and then bought a liquor store and and he did it but 90 percent of people that want to come to the u.s aren't going to have that dedication to go through that and not only that a lot of them aren't going to leave the wreckage and the stuff that screwed up their life a lot of people are going to bring those ideologies here and then they wonder why it, it's just it's hard it's hard to explain and my biggest problem with it is like these latin families it's majority latin they're generally catholic and there's nothing against their religion but their religion like culture is big families yeah it, 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 and they bring latin these, american popula- population especially the ones that immigrate to the united states they are traditionally conservative they're just not necessarily groomed when they come here as Republicans. And that's where the disconnect is. Mm. Like, if you look at the traditional Latin American values, they mirror a lot of the things that equal the American dream. Hardworking, two-parent family units, big families, live together, celebrate holidays together. Yeah. You know, grow and then work hard to get what you want in life. But at some point, there's like a disconnect to where the Democrats come in. And they sneak in almost. Yeah, and they pretty much say like, oh, you know, Republicans are the worst, and they want to keep you down, and, and they want to put your family. Right, exactly. Which could be the furthest from the truth. Um, I, I think that this election cycle right now that we're in has really... Um, there's an uptick in the minority communities in the United States, you know, the African-American community, Latin American community, the immigrant community, where there's a lot more support uh, for Republicans than there, ha- than there has been before, because I think Republicans have done a better job over the last couple of years of seeing that just getting it out there that like they're telling you this, but we're literally doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're saying A, but we're literally doing B and you're thriving with B. Look, we're, we're all white <clears throat> at this table just for the viewers i'm uh, i have a lot of mixed but stuff going on let let's say trump is full-blown racist right okay let's say 
He's a KKK member. Which he's denied on several occasions. <laughs> but let's say he is. Denied. But he's going out and doing all these things that for the people that the he, narrative. he right. personally hates. But he's going in and doing the humanitarian thing, a.k.a. Abraham Lincoln, yeah. who owned slaves. Right. Ooh. Here's the other thing. Look, look. Let's play devil's advocate for five seconds. Trump's racist, okay? Let's assume that he's not... But we're just gonna let's assume that he's racist, even though he which dated, was the play he, of my last scenario. Yeah, for almost three Here, years. Here's the thing: Why, in God's name, would one of the richest, most hardworking businessmen give up his lifestyle, put all of his money on hold, donate his salary for four years, to come into the White House to have the most stressful job, literally on the planet, to be chastised for four years, then attempt to go for another four years? Oh, you forgot the most important component of that. Chastised by the people who he was literally friends with. All of the people who his donated life. to his entire public life. And let's throw in that he married an immigrant yep. who speaks like six languages. He married an immigrant. He dated an African-American woman for over three years. His daughter is Jewish. His grandkids are Jewish. I mean... but it, it, why, why would a racist give up his life? To come into the office and not implement any racially charged legislation. Because according to Rachel Maddow, he is literally Hitler. I just don't get it. Right. Like when you explain this to people, there it looks like their mind. Remember the Dave Chappelle, the uh, <clears throat> Clayton Bigby one, oh, when the dude's head George Bush. That was my <laughs> <laughs> when the dude's head explodes. Right. You sit down and explain to people that are Trump haters, and you're like, you you feed that to them on a nice plate, and you go, look. This is the reality, and then they, they don't know how to handle it. They like start short circuiting, and they can't figure out a rebuttal because it's like, dude, if I was like the biggest a hole in the world, and I had all the money, you would never hear from me. No, I would be a ghost. You you wouldn't. I wouldn't have a Twitter. I wouldn't have Facebook, be Instagram. And oh my life. god, I'd be on an island somewhere, mm -hmm. not caring about who gets put in office. But this guy literally. Not Epstein Island, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a little less uh, nasty. Right, a little less pedo. But anyway, getting back to the debates, the funniest part of the debate was when Donald Trump was able to hammer Joe Biden on immigration, immigration reform, and kids in cages. Just so the viewer knows, kids in cages was a, you know, there was a huge influx of asylees during the Obama administration, which, regardless of who was president, has nothing to do with them. However, how they handled it was, um, and the two comparisons are, the Obama-Biden administration built camps that were made of fences and covered in canvas, which could liken a cage. Sure. And the Trump administration, for the most part, has kept the people who are coming in from a, for you know claiming asylum not in their country of origin, but for the most part in Mexico, why they wait their asylum court hearing. So here's a back and forth um, interrupted by the moderator during the debate last week uh, with Trump and Biden. The children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. We're over 400 miles of brand new wall. You see the numbers and we let people in, but they have to come in legally. They built cages, you know, they used to say, I built the cages. And then they had a picture in a certain newspaper and it was a picture of these horrible cages. It was New York Times. And they said, look at these cages. President Trump built them. And then it was determined they were built 
in 2014. That was him. It's not coyotes <laughs> didn't bring them over. Their parents were oh, with them. Oh they got separated Stop from it, their Joe. parents. And it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. Let me ask you a follow-up question. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to that? It. We <coughs> changed. did not. They built the cages. The they, who, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're talking about. Who built the cages, Joe? Let's talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Parents were ripped, their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. 100%. And now plus. they cannot find over 500 of sets of those parents, and those kids are alone. Nowhere to go. Never came. Nowhere to go. It's criminal. It's criminal. Let me ask Kristen, you about I will say this. They went down. We brought reporters, everything. They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean. But some of them haven't been reunited good. with But just families. ask one question. Who built the cages? I'd <laughs> love you to ask him that. Who built the cages? There you go. Here's the other thing is Trump's 100% right. They didn't come with parents. A lot of these. I mean, think about this. How. In reality, how in the world would you lose 500 sets of parents? It just doesn't happen. The only time kids are separated from their parents at their border is if one of two things. Um, if your parent that you're applying for asylum with has any kind of criminal DROG history, and you are a male, not the mother, you will be separated from that parent based on... Totality of circumstances. Right. Safety and possible deportation proceedings. Well, fam family units get put together. Right. So you can't have that criminal record male in there with these other family units of no. kids when he has a history of and, and, and then that's number one number two if children come in with people who are deemed or determined to be not their parents now not all places do dna swabs but in the dna swabs that were done i believe i read an article it was between 2019 and 2020 33% of all children who came in with adults claiming to be a family unit had no DNA uh, related to the adults that they were applying for asylum for. Jeez, and that was in the USA today. One in today. three people. Exactly. So th there is, I mean, there's so many different other, so that's, that's the entrance part. Now you're talking about on the other end. Let's just say that you are a coyote or a smuggler and you set up a fake family unit and they've applied for asylum and they were able to get through. So these kids are being held, and then the adults are released. They're given a court date, possibly an ankle bracelet, and one of two things happen, or sometimes both. The ankle bracelet's cut off shortly after release, and they're in the wind, never see them again until they get arrested, and then possibly turn over to ICE. Or Unless they get arrested in a, uh, what is it called? A Non-sanctuary city? Yeah, sanctuary city. Or they don't show up for the court date. Joe Biden said during the debate that this is the first administra administration in the history where asylum seekers and people who are up for court dates determine whether or not they will be allowed to stay in the United States or not showing up for their court date. Um, that's horseshit, because people haven't been showing up for their court dates. Reagan amnesty came because there was 11 million people in the United States who didn't show up for their court date. And that's when 11 million people got amnesty and uh, you know got to get green cards to stay in the United States. That's been going around, going on since at least the 80s, if not longer. And illegal entry has been going on since the start of the United States. So, well, one of the reasons DACA exists is because those parents who immigrated in didn't show up for the court dates. They didn't they show up for the, the court States. dates, and so now they had no status in the U.S. And then they had kids. Right. One of the stats that's heartbreaking, especially as a parent, 
and even for people who aren't parents, is the amount of people, little girls, they find with birth control on them when they arrive. Because yep. their parents send them on this freaking And when you say journey. little girls, you're talking about minors, teens yeah, especially. Because they know their parents have it in their mind that they're most likely going to get raped on this journey that they send them. And that's one of the things that I wish, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, dude, if Trump would have dropped that bomb on stage, it would have sent shockwaves through people. And yeah. if it would have sent a different picture. Like, you think that we're out here separating cages, people in cages, and why would, what's, what's the purpose in that? Like, that's the thing is, is whenever there's a conspiracy, the conspiracy will fall apart if there's no real reason for right. it. Right. I would have also used uh, comparable numbers of the total amount of people who applied for asylum in the United States uh, leading up to those 547 kids. It would have been probably hundreds of thousands. Probably, take probably yeah. less than 1%. Yeah. And, for and, sure, and less than 1%. Kids. And that whole thing could be solved in... I know Donald Trump says it five minutes, but it really could be because of all those kids who are supposedly separated from their families where they can't find their parents are, they could return those kids to the Mexican consulate who would return those kids to the states of where they're from in Mexico. And there would be a family member there who knows where those kids belong. And there would be somebody. Sure, yeah. yeah, their parents would be. You're talking about school records, right. dental records, something that's going to trace them back. And that's 100% right. But. You know, I was telling my dad, dude, if he would have laid that bomb on, like, the amount of kids that get abused. It's terrible. And not even in the facilities, on the way. Yeah. On the trek to that. The human trafficking uh, aspect of, of human smuggling and false asylum claims in the United States and all over Mexico and Latin America, it, it's disgusting. It's horrendous. And the numbers are through the roof. If they want to talk about real numbers, they should have talked about that. I mean, I think this administration has done more... A million fold in regards to cracking down on human trafficking but we still have a long way to go in regards yeah. to you know the little the little kids and especially the little girls who are funneled up here from latin america and mexico could you imagine that outrage all the way. from the liberal side if we started getting rape kits mm. into these fake family uh. units and then charging the the coyote mm -hmm. four-legged coyote <laughs> with with rape damn animals It'd be, it would, well, the sucky part was they'd be tried in the U.S. and they get put the in a U.S. jail. It'd probably be a nightmare logistically, but they should just, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but. No, but uh, there, I think there would be, let's say you started doing like the testing mm -hmm. you start posting those numbers publicly and you're like 67% of females 10 and under are raped on their journey to the United States from mm -hmm. a foreign country. I think it would put a lot of backslash, backlash on the cartels in Mexico. It would. I, I think a second Trump administration eventually does get the designation of terrorist organizations on cartels, which would allow for cross-border operations. Um, you're talking CIA, about, right? Yeah, you're talking about CIA being more overt, mm -hmm. uh, running you know, actual face-to-face -face ops in regards to stopping the cartels. Uh, maybe SEAL teams interventing, and even drone strikes. I mean, if you're designated a ter what's Salmani was tur got turned into a stain on an Iraqi you know, tarmac, <laughs> what's the difference if the cartels? The only issue with him declaring cartels a terrorist organization is it legitimizes a lot of people's asylum claims. Yeah, it does. That's it the only hiccup I see. I, I don't, I'm not a political analyst. So I don't know the full levels of how that would work but if he could do it without with a clause basically because then people are gonna if because 
if okay, so let's say Trump does this day one of second term, and the Democrats figure out this kind of loophole, they're gonna flood the border with asylees to make him look like an idiot. And then, could you could you imagine that caravan coming back with twenty million people, and then everyone's just getting stamped in? I just think Mexico's done everything it can to this point to not be designated as a terrorist harboring country and having the cartels designated as terrorists. You're having the nearly 30,000 Mexican military now on the southern border um, trying to stem illegal immigration and caravans. You have um, the zone set up on the other side of Hidalgo and Tijuana um, where all the people from you know other parts of the world besides Mexico are coming and staying until their court dates uh, in Mexico. And then you have that America, Canada, you know, the new NAFTA. I just think Mexico has been bent over backwards to toe the line a little bit in regards to being a functioning country in regards to, um, you know, or not in regards to, but um, to stop them having them designated. Because Trump has teased it a couple times. I think one of the problems this is they facilitate terrorist organizations already Mm -hmm. like all the black tar heroin that gets imported in the u.s is allegedly come from al-qaeda terrorizers which is a you know an official fucking terrorist organization well not only that the problem with mexico is it can be bought for anything like the mexican government can literally be summoned to money for whatever the cause even if they disagree with it because you think about $20, Twenty dollars, bro. If you go down to TJ, I'll tell you this on a personal yeah. Even account, even on a small scale, go ahead. You put your money in your socks and you keep twenty dollars in your pocket. Put it in your, your prison wallet. wallet. And when you get pulled over by TJPD for having tint on your windows, that's legal in California, but supposedly not in supposedly Mexico. not in Mexico. <laughs> they will go. I'm gonna take your car, or you can give me however much money you have in your wallet. You go, look, man, I'm a college student because I still look like I'm twelve. Yeah, you do. I have $20. That's all I have. <laughs> I was going down to buy some tacos. This is all the money I have. And he goes, okay. And he literally sticks his hand into your wallet, pulls the $20 out. Otherwise, he'll take your passport from you. And then he sells the passport for probably five grand to someone. Mm-hmm. No. That's so so mean. There was, a, there was a stat that came out. I don't remember who posted it. But TJPD is one of the most underpaid police departments in Mexico. And yeah. also one of the most corrupt. I think they're second they gotta make corrupt. Money somewhere. There's definitely causality between being underpaid law enforcement and corruption. Not to mention the amount of drugs that are produced and trafficked across the border. There's a, <laughs> there's a good uh, interest in probably paying your, your guys a little bit more. Because someone's going to pay them. Look, it, so... Someone's getting paid. I don't remember when it was. Maybe 2012. We hired the National Guard in Mexico and their Navy to come do elite training with the U.S. Black Ops. Gave them all this training to help them combat the cartels. And what they, did they go do? down there. And the cartels found out they got all this training because they were getting probably fucking shit on. <laughs> and they're like, why are we fighting these people? We should just pay them. We should just pay them. And the next thing you know, the fucking Mexican Navy and National Guard in Mexico lost like 
literally everybody that got trained. They <laughs> lost them all because the cartel was like, hey, you guys are like yeah. way overqualified to fucking come protect our drugs. Rank. We'll pay you 10 times what we already pay our current fucking narco guards. And they're like, well, shit, that's like 10,000% more than I already make. Because they have endless money. I don't think people realize how much money no. the cartels physically have. If you're a user of marijuana and you buy just one gram of marijuana of of fucking hash oil or kush it's like a hundred bucks for kush a gram of kush imagine how much money the cartel made off the rest of the marijuana besides for just the that little amount the one gram that you bought well not only illicit stuff but the cartel also people forget has legitimate business in Mexico too. Parking garages, you know, there's a lot of legitimate Oxo. business that they also, you know, El Caliente and, and all the clubs down there. It's like if you don't think the cartel's getting action from that and legitimate money stream, then you're silly. Right. So, like you said, unlimited resources, but back to what we're talking about as far as them being deemed a terrorist organization, you would almost you would almost have to invade Mexico and revamp their government because their government, I mean, it, the corruption doesn't stop at local law enforcement. It doesn't stop at state law enforcement. It doesn't stop at the federalities. It doesn't stop at the National Guard. Who just got arrested the Navy. at LAX? It wasn't it. Oh. No. Somebody's wife, right? No, it was the like ex head secretary of the Mexican army hmm. was just arrested in LA. I'll pull up the article. It's just, it's such a big problem and it's like what's the first step yeah I, how I do think, you even address it I, I think this administration has done a good job at laying the groundwork for future immigration reform different policies at the border um prosecutions this that and the other thing yeah anti-human smuggling but there is a you're talking about how old is this country now 250 years old yeah yeah right. six days ago ex-Mexican defense secretary denied bail on drug charges in Los Angeles. So he flew into LAX from Mexico. This is the guy, like, third in command to the Mexican president. Classic. Got arrested in the United States on drug charges hmm. for smuggling drugs across the United States border, hmm. being one of the head guys. Okay. Here's a question. If So let's say this successfully gets... Um, Trump goes through with this. Everything's good. Would they be able to try people, smugglers, with terrorist ties? Because you think about it. Any of any terrorist organizations? Something. to the almost have to. Yeah. That would be interesting, too, because then instead of getting two years for smuggling five keys of meth or whatever, ten keys or coke or whatever. It's already a felony. You start doing anything across Doing time in Guantanamo Bay because you had terrorist ties. For smuggling. I mean, I'm down with that. They, they renovated, bless you, Guantanamo Bay a couple of years ago, and, and there's a lot of extra space there right now. They could just keep building up. Right. Um, imagine you actually charge these people at the border. Yeah. And the three-strike rule got implemented. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys have nothing left to do but to go back to the border to pay the cartels back because they kept them alive in jail. To go back and smuggle for them again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Flood our private jails, create lots of jobs for the correction officers. <laughs> there you go. Trickle down economics, which is like super big for Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. There you go. 
Which is why they're all paying off their fines and debts so they can go out and vote in the upcoming election. Oh, what what is this? Prop 20? Is it Prop 20 in California? I just heard an ad on Pandora that they're saying these people are coming back from prison. They're building fam. They have families. They're building families. They're getting jobs. They are human beings. They have a right to vote. Of course they're going to vote for fucking... If we allow these prior felons... I'm sorry, not prior felons. Once a felon, you're always a felon. Yeah, there's no such thing as a prior felon. Uh, Could you imagine being running for president and part of your campaign trail stopping by prisons for people that are about to get out? Well, I mean, here's the fact of the matter is, and it's one of the other things that Trump pointed out in that debate. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party has for the last 30 to 40 years done everything in their power to destroy black communities, Latin American communities, poor communities in the United States, and put people in jail for non-violent minor crimes, crimes. Yeah, non-violent crimes and minor crimes for ridiculous <clears throat> amounts of time, which How? doesn't do anything to solve the problem. No. How many wealthy, this is the key, wealthy black Americans in politics are Democrat. And are Democrat? Yeah, but they're like an active politician. More than Republican. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be further from the point. Yeah. Here's the other thing. But to your point, in the long scheme of things, if the Republicans got creative with how they would market and, and swing this certain this new group of voters if they basically said look these are the same people that put you in prison for selling a dime bag of weed and you wasted 20 years of your life how do you feel now that it's legalized yeah i feel like i shouldn't have been in prison this is the person that put you in prison she's running for vice president and then you have someone like tim scott right that republican senator who proposed the new uh crime reform bill that mm. the house and nancy pelosi shut down no interest yeah no interest, and that's the thing. So if they were transparent with these guys, it might be a big push. I, 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 It'd be 50-50 probably. Th- but. There's a lot more um, push right now on the Republican side to say, hey, you want to – and I think they've put out a lot of good – you know, senators like Tim Scott and then you have – or House members like Tim Scott and then you have like Kim Klasik running in Baltimore. You have you know, a lot of different people running all over the country who are just saying like there's no reason to simply vote – Democrat because you're minority or because you're not you're a non-white person. Yeah, and that lie has been told since the beginning of time that yeah. because you're this, you have to vote this way. So, I think that pretty much uh, you know covers a lot of it moving forward. You get those stats? What stats were they looking for? Oh, the black politicians. Yeah, I'll pull it up. But um, so California is uh, failing state. Article 2 of the California Constitution to lower the voting age from 18 to 17. Why? Why? It should be raised to 21. Okay. I didn't think about anything political until I was in my junior year of college. Because that's when I was starting my way out. How old were you then? Graduated high school at 18, so I was 20, 21. Okay. And how many people in in all of the U.S. are not on a four-year deal to get out of college the oh, minimum i think the like a the average, track yeah the it's average is average six anymore, yeah six to seven mm-hmm. all my friends i'm the only one that graduated in four years 
I would have graduated in four if I didn't switch schools. Mm-hmm. But think about it. Like, what the hell does a junior in high school have to gain but, by voting? Right. It, they, they Nothing. Get, they it's get their, just for the Democrats. They get their voter guide in the mail, and then they get their most commonly asked questions on the DMV permit test in the mail, like on the <laughs> same day. But here, here's, sense. here's part of the reason. You think about... So... You think about, like, if kids go off to college, right? Let's say they graduate 17, 18. Okay. Who's indoctrinating them in college? All the it's not schools. Republican people. Yeah, it's very small number. So there's a good amount of people that they could reach indoctrination-wise before they turn 18 or around 18. Prior, basically, based the first time they're going to vote, they're going to be on their way to being indoctrinated by the liberal school system at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. It should be raised to 21. Yeah. Because, I mean, when, I don't know what year voting age was at 18, but I can guarantee that that maturity level at that point and of an course. 18-year-old now is just comp- I mean, night and day. When the, voting, when the voting age was probably established at 18, several things were happening. You were graduating high school and going to work. You were graduating high school and going into the military, or you were graduating high school and going to work in the military and starting a family. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you were not dicking around going no. to Spain or right. Europe or you were not being to a YouTube a star gamer exactly. So the the adult life started literally the day you graduated high school. Now it's like Johnny needs to take a year off, figure out what he wants to do, and you know he's gonna travel, and you know he, we gave him his own debit card, so he, he you know he's got to figure it out. It's like you want that guy to vote? I don't. No, I don't want I. him to vote. And, and and like it's every American's you know citizen's right to vote, but not in that circumstance. I'm sorry, just like it's not a felon's right to vote. I'm, I feel like, and, and that's the thing. Like they they want to allow felons to be have the right to vote again once they come out of jail and, and serve their time and, and, you know, serve their contribution to society. But here's the thing. Like, someone who is a, does, commits felony tax fraud is in the same spectrum as someone who commits aggravated rape and murder of a minor. Like, those are two totally different ends of the spectrum and there's no way to determine either or why they should or should not be allowed to vote when they come out of prison and i just think that's a topic that you know and an issue that we should stay away from and to cater to it is it's one of those things to not it's not truly it's not worth bringing up not at all not at all it's not an issue you you want to find people to vote for you go out and campaign a little bit harder than joe biden lie to them the old-fashioned way yeah exactly so to well today's monday it's monday uh the 26th as we you know it's Amy Comey Barrett's confirmation day. She has passed through the House and Senate in regards to a peaceful process by the Democrat parties to not show up. <laughs> um, I think over the weekend, the only good thing about the Democrats not showing up, it was 12-0 Republicans uh, on the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, none of the Democrats showed up, and that allowed the um, committee to also subpoena the CEOs of Facebook and Twitter for their obvious Republican voter suppression and information. Those guys need to go to jail. Right. That's horrible. But the fact of the matter is is that she will be confirmed tonight. It has been announced that um, Clarence Thomas will be swearing her in, which I think is fucking amazing. And what do you guys think about her? Uh, What does her being confirmed mean? Um, And what does it mean to, you know, the Supreme Court and the American public moving forward? Well, it's a big move because... You know, it's this country politically with all this, you know, Senate and the House, Supreme Court. 
a lot of times the winner of the game is whoever has more pieces on the chessboard, basically. So anywhere you can get it is awesome, but the Supreme Court's a huge one. Yeah. Because traditionally, Supreme Court's been ran by liberals. You look at where we're at in the Ninth Circuit, it's just a horrendous hypocrisy of the law. Even though we are starting to flip it a little bit with the federal appointments of Trump. But it still is. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised the magazine ban hasn't been reversed. Uh-huh. That, was a, that one shocked me that that stood. Um, for anyone listening outside of California, you're only allowed to have 10 rounds in any weapon at any point in time. That has changed, thank God. Yeah. Um, but I think it's huge. I think moving forward, especially if Trump gets elected, when he gets reelected, having another conservative in um, the Supreme Court, and, and they couldn't have found a better person. No. I don't know why. Like, there's such a smear campaign, but it's like throwing wet spaghetti at a wall. I think that moment at the end, was it Lindsey Graham and Dianne Feinstein who embraced in a hug at the end of the confirmation hearings mm-hmm. at the House judiciary level? Um, it drew a lot of background backlash from the left because they thought it, it broke uh, with the narrative that she is bad and Donald Trump is bad for narrating her. Yeah. Her appointment schedule is bad this close to the election and every other fucking bullshit excuse that doesn't mean anything under the sun. But the fact of the matter was it, it, it was a nearly perfect confirmation hearing and weak. Uh, I think everything that the Democrats threw at her was deflected away and yeah, it, well, it, it's hard to live in... in the public face for so many years that she has and to have a nearly flawless record. I think the one thing they kind of dinged her on was that she spoke at some event that had a group who did not believe in anything other than traditional marriage. So basically she spoke at a forum and one of the people who were invited to the forum, their their group's stance on traditional marriage was that it was a man and a woman. And she spoke at this event. So they tried to spin it as like, she was somehow connected to this group when there was like 300 other entities there also listening to her speak at the event. It was completely- It's just a last ditch effort to obliterate. Yeah, Yeah. she's got no criminal DROG, no bad judgment DROG. She's been federally vetted and approved already on what, the Seventh Circuit for the last two years? Seventh, I believe, yeah. yeah. And and she's gonna be a Supreme Court justice um, in a few hours. The best part is is hearing all the people on the left that are like Mm pro-feminism bash her and it's like, hey, stupid. She's female. Right. No matter how traditional she is, <laughs> at the end of the day, on, she man. still goes home and is a female. Yeah, and it's just funny because it's like, we need more women in politics. Not that woman. And it's like, come on, dude. You, you can't. You got to pick here. Yeah. Pick your pick your side because I, literally you couldn't have a, a better person. What do you want? Some dirtbag that's been, you know, taking lobbyist money for years and, right. and is all these sketchy... You don't want to say typical liberal, yeah. but typical liberal. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Someone but. who's anti-family, anti-marriage, anti... This chick literally know, adopts kids. Yeah, from, from uh, you know, uh, crisis-torn countries. How dare she? Mm. But Angelina Jolie does it, and it's the best thing ever. Right. It's pathetic. I think uh, it's good for the Republican Party. I think it's good for Donald Trump running into re-election as far as promises kept. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put out that list uh, in twenty late 2015, early 2016, and he has stuck to that list, and he has picked people who are traditionally conservative. I'd say between, um, who was it, Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh, they haven't always voted uh, with Trump, you know, so they're not automatic, you know, Trump appeals or Trump policy votes when yeah. it comes to the Supreme Court, but they are traditional uh 
judges who read the Constitution and decipher it as literal translation of the law in regards to cases. And, and you don't want people who are progressives on the Supreme Court. It doesn't protect the Constitution or do anything to protect the Republic yeah, of the United States. You spend States. more time talking about what needs to get changed versus enforcing what this country is, is founded on. Exactly. And then the top, I mean, everything becomes, we need to change this. This is old. We need to do this. And it's like, how about, look, this Constitution's not broken. Right. Why are we trying to rewrite this? You want to rewrite it? Go buy an island in Venezuela. Do it that way, okay? Yeah, see how good it works for you there when you're eating your dog and waiting in bread lines. The Constitution is not to be deciphered. It's to be carried out as the way it was and the way it was written. So when somebody tells me that they're nominating a traditional conservative constitutionalist to the Supreme Court, they're 100% going to have my nomination every single time. Looks yep. like she has a beautiful family. She has a beautiful track record. Um, and I think she's going to be I mean, an awesome. People act like she was taking money from Russia and Ukraine and smoking crack and involved in child pedophilia or something. Sounds like we're, we're changing gears here and talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. Um, what do you guys think so far? I think my personal opinion, the Hunter Biden laptop is not going to be an election issue. Uh, I think right now you're going to get it's fake news. It's not fake news. It's verified. It's not verified. Uh, you know, news agencies are covering it or refusing to covering it. And I just think we're too close to the election right now to be anything relevant. But what do you guys think about it in general? Well, it's, uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest. If Joe Biden went to apply for a century, he would get denied because of his son. Yeah, true story. And you talk about a guy who wants to run for president, can't get a border crossing pass to use a fast lane. Or security clearance. So, you know, and, and here to play devil's advocate, it sucks that somebody's family member tarnishes your reputation, but let's be honest, there's a lot more than this laptop that even we know that is going to tie Joe Biden to this. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, that's his son. Yes. So that's his. That's the fruits of his labor as a parent. And um, even though you aren't responsible for your own adult family members, sure, sure. But you know, uh, there's even scripture in like Old Testament talks about people that are trying to rule in certain aspects of government it's like if you can't rule your own household then you have no business leading people and that's a huge thing for me that you look at someone's family and it's falling apart this guy can't take care of his family mm-hmm. well he doesn't live you know it's not his kid and it's like you don't think that they talk all the time that biden's giving him money to you know an allowance of some sort or hooking up with business deals that's his kid mm-hmm. you can't straighten your kid out you have no business running a country True. the best country that this world has ever seen the most influential the most the biggest economic powerhouse the best military you're going to put a guy who can't put a leash on his son who's a grown man mm-hmm. you're going to put him in charge of the white house come on dude give me a break yeah even though we move on to the laptop trump hit on it a little bit even though he was cut off by the moderator and then she forced him to move on <laughs> um early on during the presidential debate last week i have a clip here i just want you guys to hear it a lot of money from Russia. They were paying you a lot of money, and they probably still are. But now, with what came out today, it's even worse. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening, and it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. Why is it? Somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family but what he said was damning and 
regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe you can do it right now. So Joe Biden would go on to say right there that he has never received money from any foreign entity or government at the, in, for the entirety of his political career, which we all know is bullshit. I mean, everybody takes money from lobbyists. Everybody takes money from somewhere to get, you know, a bill passed or legislation moved along in regards to, you know, that political party's wants or needs. You so, get kickbacks and yeah, exactly. all sorts of stuff. Um, the guy that uh, President Trump was referring to was Tony uh, Bobolinsky. He was an ex-Biden associate. He provided the FBI with evidence um, from as far back as 2015 all the way up through 2018 pertaining to their business dealings uh, between him, the Biden family, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden's brother, Jim. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last show. He was the guy that has no experience in anything relevant to anything in the world. Uh, he was just kind of the brother of a politician, and he was given one of the largest uh, building contracts in Iraq. Um, you know, during the Iraq War, and basically, this this guy who was the next uh, business associate, uh, Bobolinsky, he was brought in to be the CEO of a future business endeavor, which didn't fall through. Uh, but through text messages and emails confirmed that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, and he, along with a few other people, were going to, uh, you know, work with these two large Chinese energy companies, CEFC and Senohawk. And those investments um, would give each business partner involved 20% uh, of the dealings and um, open up a window for the Chinese Communist Party to get into the U.S. infrastructure, real estate, and technology sectors via the office of the former vice president. He turned over one laptop and three cell phones containing, you know, corresponding emails and text messages, uh, WhatsApp, conversations, etc. When you see WhatsApp on someone's phone, <laughs> they're usually up to no good. Yeah, exactly, because all those conversations are encrypted anyway. So. Uh, um, I, it's picking up a little steam. I know the House Judiciary Committee uh, was going to subpoena him and have him come in and speak this week. However... He's in the hospital, right? No, he was actually uh, being questioned by the FBI in lieu of those Senate Judiciary uh -oh. hearings. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, is that and like I said, the Hunter Biden laptop is a big issue. I think it's going to have a lot of stuff on it that's going to make Joe Biden look bad. But it's a non-issue in regards to the election, even though I personally want it to be, because it just shows how far and how deep and how disgusting this whole swamp in Washington, D.C. is. Yeah. Um, the FBI has had it since December of 2019. So, I mean, there's rumors all over the Internet that there's emails and text messages and child pornography and Hunter Biden doing every drug under the sun and then doing every drug under the sun while he's having sex with children and strippers and this person and the other person. But, you know... It, it, it's just hard to know that our intelligence agencies sit on this stuff because of political gain. Yeah, and and I used to hear during after the Russia collusion bullshit was debunked that there was people at the very tippy top tiers of these intelligence agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, that were the bad seeds, and they made everybody in the organization look bad. But then you hear story after story after story of like bullshit like this, and it just makes me believe that. There's a whole bunch of people in, in these intelligence organizations. Granted, there may be some good seeds, but there's a lot more bad seeds, apparently, than there are mm -hmm. good seeds. Because every time we find something out, 
At the end of the day, you find out the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, or all of them have been sitting on this bullshit for either months or years and have done nothing about it until some, you know, reporter... Whistleblower comes yeah, out. Yeah, and it's just, it's pathetic. I, I think in any other job or corporation, these people would be immediately terminated, and I can't wait till Trump wins on November 3rd, so on November 4th he can hand Christopher Ray and all those other idiots at the FBI their... Uh, you know, walking papers and get them out of there and start cleaning house at that completely corrupt organization. I just read that he's uh, winning Pennsylvania by nine more points than he was last election. Well, here's the thing. I was listening uh, to a radio broadcast. Sean Hannity was on the radio when I was over here, and I don't necessarily listen to Sean Hannity because he's kind of a gloom and doomer. Hornet's nest and those He gives you, like, the topic of the day. Let's just say it's the Hunter Biden laptop, and then he gives you, like, the most apocalyptic... You know, okay. version of it. Yeah, that's why I, I have a hard time listening to it. Like, as far as the mainstream media goes, I like Tucker Carlson's cold open, and that's where it pretty much ends. Besides that... I miss Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. I mean, you can get him on the internet sometimes, but or on a podcast. I just think that... Uh, I just miss tuning in to Fox every night and seeing him just yelling. That was yeah. the best. Well, if he wasn't so nasty... We'll do it live. Still, <laughs> he'll still have his job. <laughs> But, but I think besides that, there's there's not a lot of, on any channel. I mean, I listen to some podcasters who are, you know, liberal, conservative, libertarian, this, that, and the other thing. And I just think that you have to go out and find the information for yourself. You mm-hmm. have to fact check it for yourself before you take a stance and put it out there. And sometimes it even, in some experiences, seeing the far left's view, the far right's view, getting the totality of all the crap. And then going, okay, some of this is not real, some of this is overly drawn out, and kind of getting a conclusion from there. I got in a, um, not a debate, but kind of a, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a debate, I guess, with a buddy who claims he's libertarian. And I said, dude, voting for a libertarian is just a waste of a vote. It is. And he goes, that's not true. And I'm like, you realize, dude, there's an libertarian. I mean, it's, still, it's still your right. but it's And that's why I told him, I said, you can vote for if you want. I'm just telling you that a libertarian is not going to win. And you pretending that you you guys almost had it, or next year you're going to be on the presidential debate floor, and it's like, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know that most conservatives, a lot of times, are more libertarian than anything. Yep. But they identify with the Republican Party because they get stuff done. Yeah. And he's like, well, libertarians are for small government. They get stuff done for the working family. Yeah. Libertarians are for small government. I was like, I'm for small government, and a lot of Republicans are for small government. But you got to pick one. Mm-hmm. And picking Joe Schmo from... You know, Sioux Falls, Indiana, who's almost going to do it this year. It's like, come on, dude. There's no, there's no girth to that. No, you're not. not at all. You're not fighting the battle. You're not sticking it to the man by voting it or writing somebody in because you couldn't come to terms with the two candidates. Like, dude, that's horseshit. Yeah. Pick one, vote for them, and deal with it. Yeah. Vote for policy. Don't vote for personality. Well, I just think, like, in regards to that poll right there, like I said, I was listening to Sean Hannity on the radio on the way over, and he was he had on a political pollster who walked for the Wall Street Journal. She worked for the Wall Street Junior Journal. She was one of the biggest pundits in regards to polls and all things related to polls. And she was talking about how these numbers are coming out. You know, uh, there's Rasmussen polls that show Trump up by two in Iowa, up by three in Michigan, up by five in Florida, and now up in, like, Wisconsin and states like that. But then when it comes to Pennsylvania, Joe Biden's got anywhere from an 11 to 8 point lead but she's like you know when you go and look at those polls and then you start bringing down the numbers and it says 
where did they get their information from? And she said she was looking at one poll specifically today for Rasmussen that had Biden plus eight in Pennsylvania. But when she read the numbers, it said 37 percent were democratically registered and voted for Biden. 37 percent were, Demo- or were Republican, Republicanly registered and voted for Trump. She's like, the numbers don't make any sense. She's like, so right now. We're getting close to the election. Everybody knows what happened to Hillary Clinton in 2016, where there was a major voter suppression in regards to the numbers out there and polls leading up to the election. She says a lot more people are aware of that now. So a lot more of the news agencies are tightening their numbers. However, she feels that every time MSNBC, MSNBC, CNN, and all those other ones who are completely saying that Donald Trump is losing and here are the poll numbers. She's like, you just have to look at them from a conservative standpoint that those numbers are flipped. Mm -hmm. So if it's Trump down four in Iowa, Trump's probably up four in Iowa. Trump's down two in Michigan. He's probably up two, if not more, in Michigan. Yeah. And she's like, you're going to see them get closer and closer to the margin of error so they can save their own ass uh, leading up to to election day. Um, Moving forward with the rest of the week, I watched today, you have uh, Joe Biden. He has one speaking event on Tuesday and Thursday of this week in Georgia and Florida. You have Kamala Harris, I think she's in California, Arizona, and Texas. One event over the course of three days. I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Barack Obama's doing two events. You got Beto O'Rourke walking around (laughs) door-to-door in Florida. That right now is where the Democratic Party is is that they are completely satisfied with their campaign. They're done. They're completely, um, you know, just sitting on where they're at. They feel like uh, everyone who's voted either is voted already or is going to vote for their party regardless. And Donald Trump is out there three to five campaign events that host anywhere between twenty and 50,000 people per event per day leading up to the election. Did you see the rally in Beverly Hills? Yes. The most recent one? 10,000 people and cars and stuff. I had a friend, um, she lives in San Francisco, and she said there was like a spontaneous like Trump rally. She was driving down the freeway. She had her Facebook Live on for like four minutes and 55 seconds. Of straight cars. Driving down the freeway 70 miles an hour of all cars with Trump flags that were hugging in San Francisco. The, the amount of voter suppression that's going on right now is unprecedented in the history of the republic. They are telling you that Donald Trump is losing. They are telling you that Donald Trump is responsible for coronavirus. They're telling you that Donald Trump is the reason why uh, the economy is failing right now. And you have him campaigning three to five events a day, every day up until the election, with 20 to 40, 50,000 people at every event. In addition to that, from where his Air Force One plane lands to the event, there are miles and miles and miles of roadway completely covered with Trump cars, Trump flags, Trump everything. I, I feel like a lot of people are going to look bad on election night, but we just need to get this guy over the finish line. I really do believe he's the hardest working man in America. I really do believe there's, there's just no evidence to say he did not do this job because he loves this country and wants to see it do better. Yeah. Because he's seen Russia and China and Mexico and Canada and the Middle East completely fuck over our country for the entire time that he's been an adult and the entire time that he's been a businessman. So he's going to take eight years of his life to put everything on hold and do whatever he can to make sure that all of that stuff stops. Yeah. And moving forward, we don't have to worry about it anymore. I mean, if you look at... 
promises made versus promises kept. I think promises kept heavily outweighs promises not kept. For and sure. I think that his closing argument needs to be just the way he's doing it right now. Joe Biden's a flip-flopping liar. He's 50 years in public service and has done absolutely nothing except, you collect know, a paycheck. Yeah, collect a paycheck, become a millionaire, put minorities in jail, and not give a shit about anybody but himself. Uh, Joe Biden's the biggest empty suit in the history of politics. I think if he wins the presidency, he's going to get completely dominated by the progressive left. Andrea Ocasio-Cortez was on TV today saying that. Not only she's going to push him left. Yeah. Not only should he cater to the needs of the progressive left, he needs to cater. And that there should be no bipartisan anymore. Right. And you have Joe. You have Joe Biden listening to Bernie Sanders lobby for Labor Secretary and Elizabeth Warren laboring for Treasury Secretary, and AOC going to be in some kind of cabinet position. You're just completely going to fuck this country over worse than it's ever been fucked. Did you see that? It's been fucked pretty bad a couple times. That Biden wants to raise minimum wage to fifteen dollars. During and now the, we're across the board, and Trump blew that up during, during the debates. The, during the pandemic. Right. Dude, how are these small Look, businesses that are already closed because of the Democrats going to be able a, to pay that? Here's a good point. I got my degree in economics. Oh, I wow. died laughing when he said... You're also a numbers guy. There's no... He said there was no evidence that minimum wage causes bank or, uh, businesses to shut down. False. And I'm like, that's the number one reason businesses shut down. Are you serious? That's literally why businesses shut down during... Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to raise... Okay, so recessions are cyclical. Eight to six to eight years, there's a recession. It doesn't matter really what you do. It just kind of how uh, the chips fall. We've yeah, been due be for minor, one. Could be a major. Could be a... Trump's could be a, stretched you know. out the economy. Is basically it, an anomaly where we haven't had a recession since he's been in office. Nope. And they don't foresee it too far. I mean, regardless, if one happens, it's not his fault. But if Biden increased minimum wage and a recession happened there would be catastrophic economic collapse across the entire country you're talking about the destruction of small business destruction of the middle class people losing their homes at an unprecedented level even compared to 2008 yep. and it would just be our gdp thing. gross domestic product the amount of money we make for manufacturing stuff in the u.s would go into the toilet not only that we would not be able to export anything it would be it would be ridiculous for him to say that and for no fact checkers to blow that up on the left, I'm like, do you? All these people that want, is insane. All these insane. people want made in America, made in America, made in America. Okay, but if you raise the minimum wage, you ain't getting made in America. Anymore. You ain't getting made in America. You're that's why it yeah. gets outsourced. You're to not even getting assembled like in America. China. And that's why, like, I'm pretty big on labor laws, but some of these labor laws are just so fucking stupid. Excuse me. Nice. I was. Waiting for a way to segue into this, and I do have a, a video from the New York Post that basically, um, it's Joe Biden, believe it or not, and he's talking about uh, this week, uh, former Pre- Vice President Joe Biden made comments on uh, Bernine Brown's podcast on one day during a discussion um, about the legacy of slavery and Black Lives Matter movement for racial justice. And Joe Biden would go on to talk about how America was an idea, an idea that, you know, never really came to fruition. And he uh, basically laid out some stakes. Listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Never lived up to it. Jefferson himself didn't. 
He held slaves, women were excluded. But once proposed, it was an idea that couldn't be constrained. It survived the ravages of the Civil War, the dogs of Bull Connor, the assassination of Martin Luther King, and more than 200 years of systemic racism. Just weeks ago, the murder of George Floyd. Through it all, these words have gnawed at our conscience and pulled us towards justice. American history is no fairy tale. It's been a constant push and pull between the two parts of our character. The idea that all men and women, all people are created equal, and the racism that has torn us apart. We have a chance now to give the marginalized, the demonized, the isolated, the oppressed, a full share of the American dream. We have a chance to rip the roots of systemic racism out of this country. We have a chance to live up to the words that have founded this nation. This Independence Day, let's not just celebrate the words. Let's celebrate that promise, commit to work. The work we must do to fulfill that promise. Remain locked in the battle for the soul of this nation. But believe me, truly, it's a battle we can and we will win if we act together. Jeez. Happy 4th. Happy 4th. So here's the thing. Let's say America was this huge racist country. What did he point out that he would change? I don't know. He has pointed out on several occasions that he did not want his kids to go to school in a racial jungle. And during the um, enactment and um, writing up of the 1994 crime bill, did refer to African-American males in low-income communities as super predators in regards to crime. And you? all things related to it. So, I, I, I just think it's it's it, it's disgusting. It it goes along with the Trump narrative that I mean, Joe Biden is still saying during his campaign events that are attended by about a dozen people that <laughs> you know Donald Trump is racist and has never um, you know refuted uh, white nationalists and racist things, which is the furthest from the point. We're all in agreement to that, and I just think that uh, you know. <clears throat> Talking points of that nature have no... Validity. No, yeah, and space in American politics these days. We do know that there are racist components to certain things and certain peoples, but we're all in agreement that America, number one, is not a racist country. It's way too diverse to be racist. You know, everything from our job to all the people that live in the United States, there's just no yeah. way that systemic and systematic racism exists, even though, you know, there are blips here and there it's like we've we've talked about it someone who's a garbage person who is completely racist doesn't need to have a you know a job in, in the workplace it doesn't mean the entire workplace needs to have like uh you know um those what are they called what do you got is that you texting me yeah why did you text me we were sitting next to each other well, we're gonna go we're on your phone for the second Oh, I was looking up something that was confusing me about what we were talking about earlier. What was it? Um, it was part of Biden's... I just lost it. Oh, it was um, something to do with the cages. And I was trying to look up a quote from when um, him and Obama were in office in regards to him basically... Um, being pro-cage and his strong immigration policy back then. And there was a quote that I remember off the tip of my tongue and I can't, I'm trying to find it. 
Um, but basically how hard nosy he was towards locking people up because you were just talking about how basically the crime reform and all that stuff that yeah it's just two-faced and same thing with Kamala Harris it's like you're talking about all of a sudden they don't want to lock people up all of a sudden ridiculous prosecutor prosecutors in the history of California if not the entire country so who who would literally suppress evidence people on death row yeah and, and put people in longer terms than they ever needed to be in just to prove a point and for your track record you know and I don't know this identity politics and re-racially profiling politics is just it's getting out of hand the the country's becoming it, it already is it's so diverse it's like we talked about last time you can't have somebody who is like let's say a senator or a house representative who graduated from Harvard and spent time in a fellowship at a law firm go out and say that America is racist because if that was really the truth they would not have the opportunities to you know have mm-hmm. that job or be in that spot I did see um, there was there was a an article uh, that I read on critical race theory and and all those diversity trains that they put into the workplace um, that are uh, pushed out by the New York Times and Black Lives Matter and you know organizations of that such which are just complete fallacies that the United States was founded in 1619 um, by a, by a whole group of racists who <clears throat> just wanted to protect racism and slavery in the United States. So I, I was watching British Parliament on C-SPAN this week, and there was actually a lawmaker there who brought up this point, and, and I thought she had some, some really good um, hits on this one. I'll play it for you guys What right now. we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. We don't do this with communism, we don't do this with socialism, we don't do it with capitalism. And I want to speak about a dangerous trend in race relations that has come far too close to home to my life, and it is the promotion of critical race theory, an ideology that sees my blackness as victimhood and their whiteness as oppression. I want to be absolutely clear, this government stands unequivocally against critical race theory. Some schools have decided to openly support the anti-capitalist Black Lives Matter group often fully aware that they have a statutory duty to be politically impartial. Black lives do matter, of course they do, but we know that the Black Lives Matter movement, capital B-L-M, is political. I know this because at the height of the protest, I've been told of white Black Lives Matter protesters calling, and I'm afraid uh, I apologize for saying this word, calling a black armed police officer guarding Downing Street a pet nigger. That is why we do not endorse that movement in, on this side of the house. It is a political more. movement, and what would be nice would be for members on the opposite side to condemn many of the actions that we see this political movement instead of pretending that it is a completely wholesome uh, anti-racist organisation. There is a lot of pernicious stuff that is being pushed, and we stand against that. We do not want to see teachers teaching their white pupils about white privilege and inherited yeah. racial guilt. And let me be clear, any school which teaches these elements of critical race theory as fact, or which promotes partisan political views such as defunding the police without offering a balanced treatment of opposing views is breaking the law. God bless her. I mean, that's... I that, couldn't agree more. That's over in England and British Parliament, but we've seen the exact same thing here in the United States. We've seen that so many of these, and I'm air quoting right now, peaceful protests at these Antifa, you know, uh, 
events and, and Black Lives Matter rallies where there are 25 to 30-year-old mm. white kids dressed in all black standing in the face of an African-American police officer calling literally calling the most derogatory racist. racial <laughs> names under the sun and it's, oh it's just not doing anything to move the needle forward in regards to where we need to go to, no. to solve these problems I found the quote and um, what do we got? We're going to have to wrap it up with this guy. Go pick my kids up. Um, this is back in 2006. And this is Biden. It says, but let me tell you, we can build a fence 40 stories high unless you change the dynamic in Mexico. And you will not like this and punish American employers who knowingly violate the law when in fact they hire illegals. Unless you do these two things, all the rest is window dressing. I know I'm not supposed to say this bluntly. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but bluntly, these are the facts. They are the facts. And so everything else we do is in between here. Um, and he kind of goes on, but, and then he ends with, and let me tell you something, folks, people are driving across that border with tons, tons, tons of everything from byproduct for methamphetamine to cocaine to heroin. And it's all coming through corrupt rep Mexico. So that's it. And what year was that in? 2008? That was 2006. 2006. So that's right when he was getting ready to, uh, go and run with Barack Obama so I mean yeah. I mean we all know it we all know it's true then the narrative changes only when it serves you a purpose so yeah. changes that, like the tide that's where we are I already need, I need your uh, I need your um, forecast for the next week landslide oh, man. landslide our next show is going to be on election night landslide followed by riots in the streets for lots, about a month. Lots of riots, man. Remember, we only got like five to seven states right now. Iowa, Michigan, Florida, Ohio. Um, one of the Hillary whatever belt states, Wisconsin, one of those guys. Five to seven states are going to determine the election. Pennsylvania. And uh, we got to make sure that uh, you get out and vote. You get out and vote on election day. If you yeah. have... Please, already canceled your vote. Thank you for being an American. American. All right. Till till next week. Peace out.